those those failures are far harder to see from the outside, but much more common, uh, mm. much more common, and, and it happens all the time. I've come on a too many engagements where the leadership team has said, oh, we've already created the program, it's this. And when we start asking the questions of, well, first and foremost, again, was everybody aligned? No. Alex, we got on a long run there, so I'm not sure there's much left. <laughs> no, no he, he hit a lot. Hi, I'm Ian Pringle. This is the Loyalty Podcast from New World Loyalty. We help you make the most of your loyalty strategies by listening to us talk about what we like to talk about most, which is loyalty and loyalty programs. In this episode, we'll explore why programs fail. It was Thomas Edison that said, I have not failed, I've found 10,000 ways that won't work. So to explore this topic, we've invited a panel of people with experience of hundreds of loyalty programs between us, So some of which have worked and some of which have failed. So please welcome tonight, Phil Gunter from New World Loyalty. Hi, Phil. Good morning, Ian. You've kissed a few frogs in your time. <laughs> no, all mine are beauties, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and for the first time in the podcast, can I welcome Alex Tavira? Hi, Alex. Hi, thanks for having me. And who's recently joined the team from, and where, where, where are you living, Alex? I'm in Houston, Texas. Yeah, supporting uh, Lakeshore, which is a, a retailer, and I'm, I'm, my expertise is in retail loyalty. Perfect. And um, you're one of the strange people in New World Loyalty where your accent sounds like where you're from, which is a, a bit of an unusual thing. <laughs> So to get us started tonight, can we each give a quick introduction to ourselves and talk through some examples of programs that you have seen fail and and touch on why? Phil, would you like to start us off on this one? Sure. So I've been on the podcast many times, so um, many people know me. But first, although we're talking about failure here, I just want to make a point that there's a massive range of failure. Uh, Mm. There's like total failure where the the program's costing more than it's delivering and in many cases it can be as bad as, as turning people off or creating expectations and failing and missing those expectations but at the same time there's also uh, the other end of the, of the range is this lost opportunity and not not delivering as much as you could deliver with the program and to some degree anyone on that continuum there's is some form of failure and I'm not going to name and shame too many because because as I go around because this is my life um I just see I just see issues everywhere um in airlines, I can see where sometimes where the currency is, is is badly constructed, or it's too generous down the back of the plane, or or it's uh, it's 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 too mean where it needs to be more generous. In retail, often it's just I see terrible execution, terrible process, and and as a consumer, terrible marketing, getting things through my inbox which I just shouldn't getting. So I'm on a record of saying that nine out of ten programs fail to some degree, and I'm I'm stacking sticking to that. Brilliant. Okay. Thanks, Phil. And um, Alex. Yeah, no, I, I I would agree with that, Phil. I think I think it's a range. You know, I mean, I, I've seen programs, you know, like Plenty that Amex tried in the U.S. as a coalition yeah. program, and it just didn't work because of the massive fragmentation of those core businesses that you need in a coalition, right? We have too much fragmentation of grocery stores, cellular um, networks, retailers, et cetera. And so it just wouldn't work in such a large scale um, and ultimately went down, right? Um, because they didn't, they didn't really look at it in that in that regard compared to coalitions in you know Canada, UK, Brazil, et cetera, where it actually works because those those businesses are few and far between. There's not as much competition. So, but then you have um, places you know or, or retailers like Nordstrom, which you know their failure at first was it was so hard to get their twenty dollar Nordstrom note. You had to spend two thousand dollars to get it, and you know the mom that's shopping there. Um, yes, there might be a, a 5% or, or 3% of the population that's kind of getting up there on a, nor- on a normal basis, but most people don't. And as soon as, they, as soon as they took that feedback and introduced the $5 note, all of a sudden they saw a massive increase in customer engagement. And so I think, 
I think, like you said, it's this range of failure that can happen. Um, but if you listen and you make those tweaks, you can you can save a program. Plenty was a different problem, but you know I think Nordstrom was a good story of of turnaround. Yeah, and I've got a similar one to Plenty as well. So I've I've been involved in in Lord's programs for twenty eight years, I guess, and and I've seen many 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 programs over the years. And I th- I'm, I'm with you in some ways, Phil, in saying that if a program is worth around long enough, it will fail at the end. But actually, some programs have been involved uh, have been going since I've been in loyalty, and they're still going strong, even if they're, if they're under invested and all the other things. So I think. I think main, mostly they work in the long term, but I've got some that didn't work. You know, my, my first Lords program I ever worked on was with Shell Smart in the UK. And that was that was a first in many ways in that it was cutting edge technology because it had a smart card technology. It was coalition program with, with all the currency on one card. And previously, you could collect currencies on lots of different, you know, if you were a member of Air Mars, you'd have, you'd collect Air Mars in this currency and then this, in this program and this program and this program. And this tried to do it all on one card. But it, it, but I think that failed largely because it was just too much in front of its time, you know. Having a having a smart card technology back then, and it died because to replace the card terminals before chip and pin was just too expensive. And then others, and I think the other one, the other one which is similar to your one in plenty was when we launched a coalition loyalty program in South Africa. And again, it was a first in many ways in that it it was a a first-to-market, petrol, free-to-market petrol program in the South Africa. And it was the first a, a travel coalition program. But there was no other currency in it. There was no frequent buyer currency. It was only a frequent flyer currency. And I think in the same thing that Plenty, I think the thing that, that failed there was that the train left the station with the idea we were going to b- launch a big coalition. And coalitions are always tough. The train leaves the station when everyone thinks, this is going to be fantastic we're going to invest all this money in creating this great big coalition. But actually, as scope creep happens and as things don't quite turn out the way you did, the train's already left the station. It's very difficult to say, stop, stop, stop. This wasn't how it was originally envisioned. I mean, would you say that's the same as was plenty? Was there some of that in plenty, Alex? Yeah, I, I think absolutely. They launched it, it went in, and there was no way to turn back. And they had done all these exclusivity contracts with these big players, but it didn't work. If you lived in a certain part of the U.S., if you didn't have access to the grocery chain that was a part of it, you didn't see value. And it might be, oh, okay, I'm on AT&T, but I don't really shop Macy's and I don't really go to Safeway because I don't have one near me. So it, it kind of just all fell apart and, and the numbers weren't there. I know, you know when I was with an agency, we were building a coalition to compete against it. And as soon as it started going down and everyone was getting word of it, all of the players that were, continu- that were considering coming into the coalition that we wanted to build just were pulling out. They were done. And so it, it just it didn't work in the U.S. in the in the structure that exists in so many other parts of the world. Um, I think a coalition in the U.S. is going to have to be something very different. Um, and it's going to have to be something that everyone can access, which would be something that would be a big online player. And you'd have to be a little bit different than kind of those commodity based businesses that, that that are usually in the coalition. But in some ways, Plenty was a victim of an opportunity. Someone had to launch a coalition program in, in America. Someone had to, right? Yes. They had to see how, how, how bad will this turn out? <laughs> and we saw it. <laughs> but looking at uh, examples like Plenty, they're obviously very public and, and easy to spot. But I'm, I'm just thinking that a lot of the listeners, they're sat on um, much smaller uh, individual uh, retail programs and, and pro- things like that. And to be honest, those, those failures are far harder to see from the outside, but much more common 
uh, mm. much more common and, and it happens all the time that the big public ones we, we could spend all day talking about the big public ones like everyone's everyone can see what goes wrong and, and often from the outside the issues are clear but i think there's there's an awful lot more failure at, at, the, at the grassroots level so on that phil what do you think the common mistakes and warning signs are that things aren't going so well oh, there's there's three key bits elements of mistakes the most important i guess is if it's got the strategy wrong uh, if at the heart a loyalty program isn't what your business needed then to be honest there's no fixing that but um and we do see that sometimes businesses have a loyalty program because the CEO thought it was a good idea or thought someone thought, oh, we're losing customers. We've got a, we've got a really poor value proposition, so we're going to stop customers leaving by having a loyalty program. So wrong, wrong from the start. The, the, the other, uh, that's one sort of element. If I could give an example of that, Phil, um, I worked on a program where it was built as a loyalty program, but it was a long term. It was a product where people signed up for long periods. And so it's very difficult to work out where people would um, leave. And they built a loyalty program, but that was the last thing they needed. What they wanted was a disloyalty program. They wanted to award the people that were about to leave, not reward everyone that was going to stay. And it's a perfect example of what you said. It was a mismatch of strategy. Yeah, no, exactly. But the other category is design. Um, And I see badly designed programs all over the place. The most common problems are copying someone else if you see i hear this all the time oh i've seen that this company's got this program so we're gonna do it a you don't know if it's working for them and b definitely don't know if it's going to work for you um and another common problem is bringing in a vendor and asking them what program you need because of course the vendor is going to give you a, a program which works for their system not necessarily for you or often another really common one is a, and i call it an irrelevant constraint is someone or somehow a sort of a, a North Star has got given to the business and you've got to achieve this or you've got to not do that. Um, and the design is, is warped by something which is really irrelevant. Um, and the last pillar is execution, which is where we see it is you know, bad, ex- bad marketing, bad process, bad data. A, a loyalty program ultimately is a, is a shark. It needs to keep swimming to, to keep alive. And that I see all the time where, where loyalty programs just lose their way and they become stagnant and stale. And, and if if they completely fail, it's another issue, but they're certainly not doing their best job. Alex, we got Phil on a long run then, so I'm not sure there's much left. <laughs> no, no he, he hit a lot. I, I mean, I, I think one major factor though, and I would say, I hear what you're saying about not bringing a vendor in potentially or their strategy team in um, because they might be designing to their platform. Fair. But I do think that having subject matter expertise is so crucial. I think there's so many companies that say, oh, marketing team, you guys are smart. Yes, you're smart. But can you design a loyalty program and get your entire cross-functional team to agree to it and be aligned? That's that's a skill. And that you, you do need true subject matter expertise in there because your loyalty program is touching every business unit in your company, right? Especially as a retailer, you're working with your merchants to figure out what do you want to drive? Oh, well, I want to drive high margin product. I want to drive our new home furniture category. Okay, we need to know that and we need to agree on that before we start moving. And we also need to make sure tech has people to support this, that we can integrate, that we have marketing creative at the ready, that finance is on board. I've been in so many where the CFO is a penny pincher and they won't they won't let you really play with your program. And if you're doing a points-based program and can't run promos and can't run interaction bonuses, I mean, you're handcuffed. And then your program is just, it's, it's lackluster. It might not fail, Um, but it's very lackluster. So you're not going to get as much engagement as you could. Um, So I think that's a big problem. I'd say that's often the first nail in the coffin is when a program is passed from marketing into finance. Look out. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) But uh, Alex, I completely agree that you, you frequently need external help. 
uh, where I don't agree is whether you should bring in a vendor. So, because that's where I I see this a a lot, where people, they reach out to who they think they should reach out to, which is often a loyalty vendor. Now, the loyalty vendors, there's two issues. One is that they will clearly, and even if they're not trying to, they will design for their system. But the second, and this may, they might not agree with this, but I think it's absolutely true. A lot of them haven't got actually good loyalty strategy capability. A lot of them have got good tech capability and a lot of them have got good sales capability. But whether they whether they can talk the loyalty finance which you're talking about, so you can you can actually get the CFO on side and get the CFO to be a believer in the program, that is a completely different skill which very few vendors will have. Agreed. Yeah, and the other thing that comes off the back of that is is in tenders and often in early spaces in loyalty, you, people are asked for the answers way too early. Yes. And and the, the 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 analogy I use is 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 a boiler in the house. If you're going to put a boiler in the house and someone says we need a loyalty program and the loyalty program is the boiler, a lot of people go out and say I want a new boiler and I want it to look like this and they say no 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 no. Before you look at the boiler, first for goodness sake look at the house. Look at how many rooms it's got. Look at the family. What's the climate outside? What are the seasons? You know, you can let stretch the analogy as long as you like, but you need to understand the environment before you then decide the strategy and Often so many that I've seen, well, certainly that I come in to pick up the pieces when things have failed, is it's because they've decided right out the bat what the solution should be. Agreed. Agreed. I've come on to too many engagements where the leadership team has said, oh, we have already created the program. It's this. And when we start asking the questions of, well, first and foremost, again, was everybody aligned? No. (laughs) We start seeing that as we (laughs) do stakeholder interviews and the tech team hates everything that they want to do. But it was also, did you do customer research? Did you even talk to your customer? And that's my favorite when it's, no, we just, we know them. Well, are you sure? Because you look a lot different than what your customer's, you know, set is. And so I find that so interesting. And then you do a survey or you do a focus group and all of a sudden you hear a completely different version of what they want to see in a program than what's been designed in their hypothesis which is great if you can come in and fix that. If you can't and have to try and put it on your platform, if you're running a platform, um, it makes it difficult because you're worried that it's not going to be as successful as a pro- of a program as you want. And the other piece is if they didn't do this, they didn't really think critically about the economics. Um, again, I think in that Nordstrom example, their stretch was so high for their general base of their consumer that it, it wasn't an engaging program until they brought that hurdle down. Um, but then you've seen other ones where they don't put the hurdle high enough. So then they never see incremental value because the person on their app, let's say their average trip frequency is three, they earn enough points by two to get the reward and they use it on their third. So they just got a discount. That's all they got for the whole year. They didn't change their behavior because there wasn't enough of a stretch. So those, those are two big ones I think that I, I've seen I've seen pretty frequently happen that can that just kill a program. Yeah, and the, and the two I'd add to that as well is, is for me, apathy, apathy and momentum. And if I could take apathy first is, I had an old MD that said the biggest competitor you're always up against in loyalty is apathy. Because if customers start to become apathetic, you have to turn that around. Otherwise, it, it, it is it is a slippery slope. And the second one is momentum in that if within a company, I've been in lots of companies where loyalty is either the rising star or the falling falling star. And as soon as it becomes a falling star, that's when you start to become dangerous because then people start to lose track. And then once you've lost momentum then it starts to become more, more controlled by finance, other things where it starts to become a death by a thousand cuts, and then it's very difficult to turn it around. Well, it's, it's the Titanic going down. It's this massive ship that you know is going down. It's not going to make it. And you just watch some talented people just 
get their fur coats and their pearls and jump in the lifeboat and just start getting away. Right. They're like, I'm done. Like I, I'm getting off. This. And then you're losing your talent. And so, uh, that, you know, we've come in on those too, where it's, it's, you know, Oh man, they just, they don't have any more strategists. They don't have any more people to kind of help save the situation. Um, so what do you do then? If you see, if you're, if you're a program manager and this is all starting to resonate, what do you do to start turning things around? I mean, I think, you know, in that regard, my advice would be to leverage the data and show what happened, show that moment, right? Of, okay, three years ago, we had a solid program. Look at the numbers, look at the engagement, look at the enrolls, right? And we, our members versus non-members, that the strength there was there. What happened, right? And and show, you know, if you can do the timeline, start showing what it could be. It could have been a cut in the budget. It could have been a shift of, hey, we now got really tight on the PL and you won't let us do promos anymore. Whatever it might be, right? Um, you got to be careful about pointing the finger, but basically just saying, hey, collectively, this is this is the moment that it started to go down. And here's the three or four things that we could actually change in the program. Again, it requires that research. But I always find if you show economically, this is what's occurring, and then talk to the consumer. The consumer will tell you exactly why they're not participating anymore, right? And they're especially if they're angry about it, they will definitely tell you. Um, and then you use that to say, what if we made these tweaks? And what if we made this investment? I think it has to be very thoughtfully pulled together. Again, it's great to get subject matter expertise to help you craft that story. But that's that's where I would go, is just is uh, use the data and facts. And I would add to that and say, be brave because in the past, and Phil, we've talked about this in the past before, where if you see a big problem in your program, it's often very, it's, it's often you're shy away from dealing with it. But actually in the times when I've dealt with it, you get paid back in spades on the, on the benefits of that. So say, for example, the air miles where we, where people hated paying something for the flight, we created a free flights proposition, but we had this thing in the, this thing called the pit of despair, which was the business model that went behind it. But we, we had the conviction, at least the MD had the conviction is to say, no, no, I've, my gut feel is if we sort this big problem out for customers, this big pain point, we'll be paid back in treasure. And he was absolutely right, you know, because if you deal with the big pain points, you will get the benefits. Yeah, we're, we worked with a, a company that was doing programs and, and different incentive structures for doctors. And it was really important to keep doctors happy based on the way that the program design was working. And when they were started working with e-tailers and other um, areas that, that you know, doctors didn't want them to go into, they had this thing called the POF. And we were like, what is this metric? Like, why is this a metric of success for you? And they're like, no, it's the piss off factor. <laughs> it's if we, keep, if we keep the POF low, we could go with this strategy. But if it goes too high, we, we can't do it. I just always love the piss off factor for your customer. It's just don't, don't be real careful with how you adjust that, um, depending on what your business goal is. It's a great KPI, isn't it? You should have that on there. I love uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. And so what's our top tips to avoid issues? Have we got any top tips? Phil, you, you, what would your top tips be? My, my top tip is an easy one is don't wait till it's too long. So it's much easier to realign a, a program um, before it gets to the to the back end and, and, you're, and you're saving it. So I, I would strongly suggest periodic reviews where, where you have a proper deep dive on everything. You look at the customer research, you look at your data, um, and you look at it from a strategic point of view and not your everyday tactical uh, point of view which you do ordinarily and the other tip is and, and it's come up a few times uh obviously we're biased but seek external help so uh, if you if even if you're the most capable uh team lordy team out there you're still used to looking at the graphs and you still get you over time you can get blinded so if you get some external help to look through a different lens um uh, just periodically 
then you're likely to see things, make adjustments, because like I say, small adjustments along the way are a lot easier than a, than a great big one. Yeah, m- yeah. my two, were so, I had two that were similar to yours where I said, be honest with yourself, right? Because I think I've seen so lo- so many times where people are just not honest with themselves, where they think, where they adjust KPIs to suit the events, and then they say, and then all of a sudden they find out the program's not working. I think truth to power and be honest with yourself. And the second one is, is and keep measuring. People say, how do I measure loyalty? And I say, measure it loads of ways, right? Because there's no one answer. You measure it lots of ways and you'll get the answer. Yeah, and, I, and just to add on to, to those two, I would say always keep talking to your consumer, right? Quarterly, make sure there's a survey going out and that you're having a conversation, trying new things and seeing if they like it or don't like it, right? And the other part I would say is make sure that you have accountability with all your partners that you're working with cross-functionally. So when you end your design and it's moved into implementation, it's not all on you, that you have champions from from tech, from finance, from creative, whatever it might be, that are all excited and they feel like they're a part of this group. I think that's crucial. The other one I'd say is focus on execution because the other day, being a loyalty consultant, I went out to three major retailers in the UK. There's only four major loyalty programs in the UK. I visited three of them. Uh, Well, I visited four of them. One, you could see the point of sale everywhere. Three of them, I could not find point of sale anywhere in the store to take photos of. And if people want to message me, I can tell you who they were, but you could not find point of sale. And so and this they're spending millions of pounds on this. Now I know everyone everyone during lockdown that things changed, but execution is the only strategy customers see. Anyway, so thank you very much for your time tonight. That's just about all we've got time for tonight. So please can I thank my guests. So thank you very much, Phil Gunter. Thanks, Ian. And thanks, Alex Tavera, for your very first time on the Loyalty Podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ian. I, I, I appreciate it. It was a it was a good loss of virginity. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you like this podcast please like share or comment on linkedin using the hashtag loyalty podcast and we look forward to your company again soon thank you and goodbye <laughs>